This is the Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today I have with me my friend Stephen Splawn. Stephen is an evangelism strategist with the South Carolina Baptist Convention. He focuses on teaching relational discipleship or relational disciple making there. Uh, but Stephen also has some unique insight that I've asked him to come on and talk with us about today, about how it is that that uh, the church can speak into race relations in America in particular, how the white church, the white evangelical church, can speak into race relations in the United States. So, Stephen Splone, thank you for coming on with us, and welcome. You having a good day? Oh, man. Craig, it's such great to, uh, to be here with you, and um, it's great to serve alongside you and advancing the kingdom together. And I'm thankful for your friendship and for your leadership uh, there um, at your church there in Camden, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. I, uh, so, so we've known each other for a few years. Uh, we're both from Spartanburg, mm. um, but uh, we didn't know one another. You graduated from Dorman, right? That's right, baby. Cavaliers representing. Yeah, and uh, so we, we didn't know each other uh, back in Spartanburg. But um, So Stephen and I come from the same hometown. Uh, we serve as pastors in the same denomination. Uh, but if, if you see us uh, out in a restaurant together, You'll never mistake us for the either, either one of us for the other. We, we we come from the same place, but we still kind of come from two different places all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all, all fair, he and I were just talking, and if, if you saw us walking down the street, you you might look at at me and Stephen and and see two uh, stereotypical people. I, I might be your stereotypical uh, white guy, you know. Uh, redneck looking dude with a with a truck and uh and steven is uh a tall um tall black guy with uh with braids and, and plays basketball so so for some people that are trying to form a stereotype of what uh what race it looks like and what a black man or a white man looks like we we kind of fit into that but how would you say that those stereotypes might not be exactly exactly right steven well, let me just ask the question to you, Craig. Uh, do you like sushi? No. Am I supposed to? Mm. Well, I mean, stereotypically speaking, uh, white people like sushi and black oh. people don't. Do you? Uh, but I love sushi. Oh, As a matter of fact, no. that's what I had for lunch today. So <laughs> I would absolutely not be stereotypical. And the problem with that is, is that uh, majority Americans, majority of Americans measure blackness based on whiteness and they try to compare uh, or identify blackness as the antithesis of whiteness which is absolutely incorrect right i mean that would mean to say that i can't like be understand or know anything that you like see understand or agree with or identify with otherwise i'm identifying as you mm. it also means that if i speak clearly or if i'm educated or if i um handle my finances well, or I'm a good parent, I'm a good spouse, um, then maybe I'm less black, which is a problem, right? But a majority of Americans would laugh or identify with everything I said to be true, but I love my wife and I love my kids and I take care of myself financially and physically. I have all my teeth 
and I can swim. So I'm breaking all those stereotypes, right? <laughs> well, I didn't know that the teeth thing was a stereotype, especially oh, yeah. when you start talking about black versus white, man. I, I, I've known some, uh, some white, white folks that didn't have the whole teeth thing down pat. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, one stereotypes are dangerous. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, um, so I, um, I guess I reached out to you a few weeks ago to talk with you about doing this, and that was uh, before what we've seen now in, in the past, on, on the day that we're recording this, um, in the past few weeks, we've seen a few more televised or, or, or recorded incidences of, of racial violence or of racism um, that, that we didn't even know about prior to our scheduling of this. Um, but, but I think that, or, or let me back up, I know that, that you would agree. And one of the things I want to talk with you about is, is the fact that racism still exists in our country, even though sometimes I, as a white guy, don't see it. Mm. Mm. Uh, what, how, how is it? So if you're trying to help me understand that, um, because I, I might say that I, I just don't see color or I don't feel like a racist or, and, and I, for the record, I, I don't think that I am, but. Um, but, but how do you experience, or, or as, as a black guy, how is your experiences of life different than my experience of life? That's a good question. There's a lot to that answer. and I, We only have about thought. 10 minutes. So. Right, right. No, I'll keep it short. Uh, so to your first statement, right, when someone says they don't see color, well, that's absolutely not true. Uh, if you drive a car and you come to a stoplight, you know when to go, when to yield, and when to stop. Uh, so you clearly see color. So don't say ignorant statements like you don't see color. And you were called to see my color. God intended me to have melanin in my skin. And so different variations of that across the world. We weren't supposed to label and diminish it, but to embrace it. No different than you get a bouquet of flowers. A bouquet of a variety of flowers in a vase is a beautiful thing. But if you have all the colors the same, it's quite basic and very simple and predictable. But the beauty comes from the variety that's brought forth. Some are meant to make others stand out and others are meant to hold their role in place. And so the differences are important. And when you talk about our walks of life and experiences, even though we're from the same hometown, live in the same state, serve the same convention, have the same occupation, serve the same Lord Jesus, pray into the same Heavenly Father, same Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, how that walks out practically in our everyday life is very, very different. Um, I doubt that you have to worry about running through your neighborhood for exercise. <laughs> uh, and I doubt that you have to worry of someone questioning your value or motives. Uh, you and I have talked about just being uh, muscular, larger men, uh, having strong voices. And I appreciate you recognizing my muscularity. Yes. Yes, Greg. I, I would not disrespect you on your own podcast. I know that you are <laughs> a whole fellow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with that on being the outside, said, small on the inside, you know, <laughs> but for me, uh, my God given size, which is, uh, and, and Hey, for, for those that, that, that might know me, but don't know you that are, that are listening, you're, you're six, five, two fifty. Like you make me look small. <laughs> well, it, I appreciate your, your maybe, maybe two forty. I, I don't know. I didn't mean to like hate on your size there. No, it's all right, brother. It's all right. I, it's just important that if I walk into a grocery store, um, more people are concerned about my threat level than they are of my desire for purchase or what I may be seeking. Uh, mm -hmm. I rarely get asked, how may I help you? 
um, you know, it's more or less, let's watch him to see what he'll do. Uh, it's crazy because recently, of course, with the quarantine and all the COVID protocols, this is the first time in my life I've ever walked in a store with gloves, a mask, and a hat on. So uh, praise God, I got to experience that in my life. But the whole point is that it, it still makes suspicion even more high, right? Like I was, of course, being watched in the store just for trying to be safe and not catch Corona-19, right? Mm-hmm. COVID-19. Right. And so um, the experiences in life are very different, friend. Uh, I have to teach my son why he can't play with a Nerf gun in the front yard. I have to uh, not run through my own neighborhood for exercise. I have to every day remember that I'm DWB uh, when I'm on the road. And you're familiar with DWB, right? Uh, Driving while black? That's exactly right. I'm glad you phonetically pointed that out. You say that, I mean, but hey, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Like, really? I mean, is that really a thing? Well, uh, I'll put it to you this way. More than often... Um, that I'd like to walk through all of them with you is I have been pulled over and not given tickets simply for suspicious activity, which that was just driving while black. Hmm. Um, I shared with you before the story of me getting pulled over as a South Carolina Baptist Convention employee going to work at 5 a.m., which I do routinely um, before the quarantine for three years. I've been going to the same gym, same place, same routine. On this one particular morning, I'm driving a 1995 uh, Burgundy Ford Ranger uh, extended cab. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty small, older truck. Yeah. And I'm just driving to work as usual. I have my uh, work clothes hanging in the back window, which consists of a dress shirt, belt, and slacks, uh, dress shoes in my workout bag. It was a duffel. And... Uh, Nothing else in the in the cab other than some straps that are fastened. Um, and I'm driving to work and I get pulled over. And um, I'm curious as to why, because I know I'm not speeding. It's a manual shift car and I'm very well in control of the speed. And he comes to the door and he says, uh, license, registration, proof of insurance. And I said, absolutely, officer. Can you uh, help me understand why I'm being pulled over? He said, give me your information. I'll be back. And so then he went and ran my stuff and took a while to do that. And he comes back to the car and asked me to get out of the vehicle. And I said, sir, you haven't told me why I'm pulled over. But can you uh, help me understand what's going on here? I just want to know. And I remember the words of my grandmother, who always said, baby, do whatever they say. Just come home. Now, I know I have all rights to not get out of the car. I've done nothing wrong. I'm not suspicious. I don't have anything. And he again told me to get out of the vehicle and I saw him put his hand on his firearm. And so I opened my door and I get out of the car. Uh, He tells me to step away from the vehicle uh, and stand behind the vehicle. And he proceeds to go through my car, taking things out. He opens up my duffel bag, dumps the content on the ground. Um, I had to watch my chapstick roll down the interstate in a bunch of mess. Anyway, um, proceeded to go through my car, my glove box. Fortunately for me, I had no no firearm at the time in my vehicle, and um, I have a concealed weapons permit. But praise the king, I wouldn't keep it in that car because it's an old car. Somebody could have broke into it easily and gotten it. So, um, just wisdom and discernment from the Holy Ghost on that one. As he finishes going through my vehicle, I he then hands me my license and my registration and proof of insurance, and he says, uh, "Here you go. Have a nice day." And and I said, officer, can you just tell me why you pulled me over? I'm, I really would like to know so I can resolve the problem and not have it happen again. 
He said, oh, your taillight was out. And I'm standing behind my car looking at both my taillights and there was no issue with my taillight. Mm -hmm. And I said, sir, um, but my taillight says it was blinking. I thought it was going out. He got in his car and he drove off. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just being a transparent, Craig, you can imagine how you would feel if that were you, right? Because no. now your stuff's on the ground. You just got your car ransacked. Your routine was, I mean, it's 5 a.m., right? I haven't even drank my pre-workout shake yet. You know, like <laughs> like it's, um, but not only was it a disruption to my routine, it was a violation to my rights as an American because I'm no less American. I'm American. And I'm no less a citizen. I pay my taxes. Um, I don't have a criminal record. You know, I, I'm, I don't understand. Right. And I'm asking a Bible question. I'm getting no answers because he didn't respect me enough or trust anything that I said or did. And he was looking for a reason to do something to me. Yeah. Wow. And so to say that it's not real or it's not prevalent, you know, it's, um, it's bothersome. It's bothersome. I, I, I think that, I mean, we, we can look, we can look back, uh, 2008, of course, the election of, of President Obama, um, who, who, who I would have some, some significant political disagreements with, but the fact that an African-American man can be elected to the highest position of power in the entire world is certainly evidence that we've made progress. Um, and, and, and I would, I would I, like, as, as me personally, probably prior to somewhere around about 2000 and um, I guess that would have been 14, 15, 15, I would have probably said, man, we, we're in a post-racial era. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. something, something happened in my life in, in 2015. I think I've shared this with you. Um, but we had a foster child for just just a few weeks. Um, you know, he, he got to go back home. But uh, I, the cutest kid. I'm, I mean, it, God knew what he was doing, taking him, putting him back with his his birth family because he would have been so spoiled if he'd have stayed with us much longer. <laughs> like the child would have never learned to walk because my wife and my daughter carried him everywhere. Um, but, uh, but anyway, he, he was a uh, African-American little guy. And um, man, I, I, I tell you, I, and, and I, I have a, 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 like a vivid realization. I, I noticed as I would carry him through the grocery store that I would get different looks Right. And, and, and look, for, for, for the record, it wasn't just it wasn't just white folks either. Right. So mm-hmm. anybody that's listening, that's going, well, it, it come from both sides. Right. Um, but I, I, I never forget. So my my I have. Uh, well, now I have two sons. But at that time, I had one other son um, and he is he's tall, slim, blonde hair, blue eyed. And I was sitting in the middle of the night with this child crying trying to allow my wife to get some sleep because he was keeping us up all night long. And I'm, I'm sitting there holding this baby and praying for him. And Stephen, I, it was just like a lightning bolt as I prayed for that child, because at that time I didn't know if he would be mine for a, a week or forever. And I, I was praying because I knew without a shadow of a doubt that life would be different for him than it would for my blonde haired, blue eyed child. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. I, I, I knew I didn't know it experientially, but I knew what you were saying to be true. All of a sudden, I knew that if that child grew up in my home and lived in my neighborhood, that he would probably be questioned one day for doing the same thing that my 
blonde haired blue eyed child wouldn't be questioned for, you know, mm -hmm. um, that I wouldn't be, that, that child wouldn't be able to carry a BB gun in the woods across the street in our neighborhood because he could be mistaken for something else. That's right. Um, and, and, and it burdened me. Like it, it really burdened me. So that, that fast forward to kind of our conversation and, and of course those terrible things that you just mentioned that you've experienced. Um, it's really driven me to ask the question, how can we as the church make an impact and make a difference um, on, on sort of the racial makeup of our culture? And how would you weigh in on that? Yeah. Uh, it's um, multifaceted steps really. But the first step is to really be educated on what happened because people have ignored historically how we got here and no one wants to hear it. They want this desire of nostalgia um, to think that, oh, slavery was actually cool. It was okay. We actually have history books that say slaves were happy um, and that they wanted to be here. You even have some ignorant people walking around saying slaves chose to be slaves. I mean, it's just stupidity, but to get to practical steps, man. Um, one is actually to listen because you really can't do anything until you listen and get to know the people that you're, uh, have been oppressed for so long. So listening and to understand where we are uh, and where we've come from. But two is to speak up and speak out. Let me, let me, let me put it to you this way, just so give it a framework of, of practicality, okay? Yeah. Uh, let's look at the dog care industry. 15 years ago, how many veterinarians do you think there were in South Carolina? I have no idea. How about PetSmarts? I, I have no idea. What was the quality of dog food 15 years ago? Pretty bad. Okay. But today, however, you can get better care for a dog than you can for an orphan. Okay. There are more shelters for dogs than there are for battered women and children. Yes. There's more advertisement for fostering of a dog than there is for a child. I don't care what race or color or culture they come from, but that's what you see the nature of this. And you know why that is? One person decided, I want more care for my dog. And so they began to want it and ask for it and demand it. And so industries were created because these masses came. There are literally 1.27 million police officers. There are 85 million dog lovers. So if people began to actually care about people of color and this injustice and just began to demand it, began to simply just speak up and say, you know what, this matters. This is not okay. And guess what? I'm not going to support uh, whether it's a business or a politician or a, uh, a way of life, but just simply speak out and say, you know what? This isn't okay. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior. You can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. 
For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.